Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is edging towards its 50th episode, which uh, feels like a very surreal thing to say, but also quite a, a proud moment, I guess, uh, because I certainly never thought uh, we'd be going for this amount of time. Uh, but the 50th episode is coming soon. And of course, as I, as I just mentioned, it's the 49th now and with me in the sewing room. Uh, for the night before Christmas, if you like, it's uh, <laughs> the Victoria to my sponge, the batten to my bag, the custard to my slice, and the cream to my horn. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. How you doing, Paul? I am absolutely buzzing off my nut for this 50th episode. We I'm can't say anything because we have got we something. We can't say anything. We have got something immensely special, not just fireworks. <laughs> strippers that's just me Sorry. yeah we're, we're, it's gonna be we're gonna have some fancy strawberry daiquiris you oh, know it's gonna well that's a bit yeah we want better than that don't we but i'm buzzing for it and it is it, it's exciting to say you know we were gonna make the 50 unless one of us gets it by a bus in the next week which i hope way to bring it down no, i know think. but we you know we ain't made it yet we can't be singing our praises yet we've got a whole no. week to get through yet and plus you know uh episode 49 is just as important as episode oh, even 50. More, even, even more and more. more so. You know, no one's going to be listening to the 50th if this is a terrible podcast. Exactly. You know I mean? exactly. So we've got to keep them hooked. Got to keep them hooked. Got to keep them happy. Keep them hooked. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you're new to this podcast, you probably already realise that we talk a lot of rubbish. Uh, but entertaining rubbish, I think, I hope. Um, we do have something very special for the 50th episode, and we're not going to say anything uh yet because we don't want to ruin the surprise just wetting people's appetites aren't we exactly um and believe me uh it's not just the location that uh is special even though the sewing room has been fantastic for us we're getting out of the sewing room and going to record somewhere fantastically special and very cool indeed and also our special guest is uh, again, no disrespect to the because well, we're, we, we're kind of known for getting some really good guests, aren't we? Right? Absolutely. And again, we'll talk about more in the fiftieth. But honestly, this special guest that we've got will blow your knockers off. I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is uh, it, we're recording this on a bank holiday Monday, which and in America it's Memorial Day. So uh, memorial, happy Memorial Day to all our US listeners. Happy bank holiday to all our UK listeners. And I've been having a lazy day, Nathan. I was you've, been, you've been, Paul's telling me before I got here, he's like, oh, I'm having a bit of, you know, I'm not feeling too good today. I just had a three-hour nap and he was saying that <laughs> he was out until four in the morning the other night. Like, you think the geezer is in his early 20s? I, well, that's the problem. I do think I'm in my <laughs> early 20s and I can't handle it anymore. And uh, But yeah, it was a bit of a heavy weekend and I thought... I'll go for a nap uh, this afternoon. Just a, you know, just a cheeky power nap. Cheeky power nap. Cheeky one, and that lasted into a longer than <laughs> I thought power nap. So my body already obviously needed it, and then I woke up feeling extremely like. Do you think naps always a bit of a gamble, wouldn't they? You can have a ten minute nap and feel like a new man, or you like you say you can have maybe a bit longer and then just feel up and like a complete like sack of. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah, I, it's just I, a bit of a gamble. You never it is, know. It is. I normally, I've got to my age, and my, I think my body knows my brain enough to kind of <laughs> knows what I need and is good with strategy. It's got its own strategy now. So I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, even when I'm like, okay, a bang, 20 minutes, that sorted me out. Yeah, yeah sorted yeah. me right out. But today, 
I was feeling groggy. That's a two-day hangover nap, though, that is. Yeah, if I've ever heard of it. That yeah. is basically it. And then just to uh, ease my way back into the land of the living, I did some bank holiday baking, Nathan. <laughs> I know. Look at you. Look at me in my fancy baking. Uh, I think Nathan's going to taste the fruit of my labours, so to speak, uh, in <laughs> Jesus. in a few moments' time. Uh, but first, we do have some... There has been some news, actually. Um, obviously, the, the guys over at Paul Bram Stadium have been going through OTAs. Yep. A um, couple of things. There was a fantastic article written by our old mate, Catherine Terrell, about the new culture and, and reflecting on that, uh, you know, the culture that Zach Taylor is bringing into the organisation. And um, she had a really, really interesting quote from AJ Green saying, and he sounds as though all the players are loving this new yeah, regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and really you, you expect it. that with the players, you know, to embrace the new coach and to get on his good side and say the right things. But I think I would say that the players and the media outlets tend to have gone above and beyond in the praise of Zach Taylor, not only in you know the interview process. I know a lot of people had a lot of good words to say about him, but there's been a lot of whisperings coming out that tend to be good things, but yeah. definitely exciting. Yeah, and one comment I, I, I found particularly interesting from AJ Green, who kind of said, you know, the biggest change from the Marvin Lewis era is that Zach Taylor is holding everyone accountable. Yeah. Which kind of puzzled me, really, because you expect any coach to do that with any sort of player. So yeah, whether that's yeah. just spin or not. But from what I've been hearing and reading, that Zach Taylor is is almost micromanaging. He's like, you know, you hear about yeah, Unai, yeah, yeah. Unai Emery, the... Uh, Arsenal coach when he came into Arsenal, similar situation actually. Yeah, yeah, Arsene yeah. Wenger Long had been there for coach. like a couple yeah, of decades, yeah. and Unai Emery was actually on the training pitch, physically moving players into the position yeah. that he wanted them to be in during during training sessions. And by the sounds of it, Taylor is kind of doing something similar. Really, do, do you think Marvin was like the uh, the teacher at school that let you just get away with anything? You loved him for it, like you have a lesson with him. And, you know, everyone's just talking in class and they're frying stuff about and being idiots. And he just sort of says, oh, don't worry about it. And you love him, <coughs> but actually he doesn't get the best work out of you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, I'm not saying that. Could that well could be. Be. I mean, we can only speculate. But that puzzled me from AJ Green. Because yeah. Like, did Marvin not do that with his almost an, uh, Almost a bit passive-aggressive. Probably not. That's probably a stretch. Yeah. But almost a little bit sort of... And I think AJ Green said another... There was another quote for him sort of alluding to something else about how the attitudes or the, you know, there's been certain changes that are different yeah, yeah. with the new Zach Taylor yeah. regime versus Marvin. So I think just how involved he is in the offence in particular, yeah. is, I think the comments. So, yeah, interesting interesting murmurings coming yes, out. Yes, interesting Brown. murmurings. Uh, I should also mention that we have a special guest later, and I'm delighted to say that it is all pro strong safety. Uh, David Fulcher, well, certainly one of my favourite players from... The 88-89 Super Bowl team Uh, and that interview was recorded a a few days ago and uh, so stick around for some chat chat with David. Uh, The next news item is Gerald McCoy, the defensive tackle from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers who who was cut by the Bucs and they signed Indomitian Sue. So you've got this six-time pro bowler, all-pro defensive tackle out there. And um, 
Uh, and the Bengals are interested in signing him, but unfortunately, so are lots of other teams, as you would imagine. From all in the AFC North as well. All in it? the AFC North. You got North. Cleveland, you got Baltimore, all obviously. <laughs> Sorry, who was that, Nathan? Baltimore. Um, all vying for his signature, which is going to either be a massive coup for us, we can get him, yeah. or it's going to be a pain in the ass having to go up against him every year, twice a year. I mean, you think it's a good guy I think, to go after. I think definitely. I think that offensive... I think if you add on that uh, defensive line, Geno Atkins and Gerald McCoy as your two starters. I mean, Gerald McCoy, is, uh, you know, he's lost a bit of a... He's not the same player I guess he was when he was just dominating the league, but he'd still be a very, very good interior pass rusher. Yeah. And at the moment... You obviously got Gino, who we were talking last week. We were saying, you know, we were sort of whispering a little bit, saying, you know, there was that question about who would you um, trade, cut, and keep out of um, William Jackson, Gino Atkins, and AJ Green. I think both of us were sort of with Gino saying a little bit, look, like, you know, is he is he dropping off a bit? He's getting a bit, you know, longer in the tooth. And I think to bring in someone like McCoy would energise him. Yeah. And it would take the pressure off of, you know, someone like Gino feeling like he's the one that's always got to do the double teams compared to someone like Andrew Billings. And Andrew Billings, I thought, played okay last year, but we still can't get, you know, look past the fact this defence last year was criminally bad. And there might be some big names on there, you know, guys that have made Pro Bowls in the past. But if you can get someone like Gerald McCoy, high character, guy that's delivered, you know, if you could get someone like that coming in with Gino, I'd be really excited about that. I mean, yes, I agree with all that. I mean, can you imagine a front four on pass rushing downs of Dunlap, Atkins... McCoy and Carl uh, Lawson. Yeah, I mean, it'd be if Carl Lawson's playing like we know he can, that's a big line. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a big line. And then, you know, rotationally, you've got Billings, you've Glasgow, got Glasgow yeah. and you've got Ronell Wren, and yeah. you've got Tupu, and, you know, all those. Uh, um, Kerry Wynn can be kicked inside. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. suddenly. He could be the player that really likes that. And that. you know what? That's, that would be a funny one because free agency. I think everyone was a bit sort of like, "Well, oh, it weren't bad. It weren't. It weren't great. It weren't bad. There wasn't any necessary splash signings." But that would be a really good addition. And you kind of in this wave of free agency after the draft, you almost forget there are still talented players out there. You know, guy like and Double Sue just went obviously like you said to Tampa Bay. You got Gerald McCoy, six-time Pro Bowler, just knocking about. So yeah. I'm hopeful the Bengals can do it because if he does end up going to the Ravens or the Browns, you know you just got to play him twice a year. Yeah, and I think I think the Browns are obviously favourites because of the because the more teams that get involved in the in the hunt for McCoy, his price is going to go up and up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cleveland have got the most cap space by a mile. Yeah, he's got to, the Browns have got to be favourites. The right? Browns, I just feel like, are going to be a bit like possibly like the Eagles were a couple of years ago when they were called referring to themselves as the dream team and yeah. they absolutely capitulated. I honestly think the Browns are being massively oversold at the moment. I think that Baker Mayfield's not even got a full season under his belt. You've got a brand new head coach, you've got a brand new defensive coordinator there. Do you know what I mean? You've got a brand new offensive coordinator, I believe. That's a lot of changes to incorporate. You've got, you know, Odell Beckham, obviously on on paper, you don't question the talent, but there's been questions about the attitude. Baker Mayfield has never, more than any athlete, set himself up to fail. And the media, they love him at the moment. It's the way it always goes. You love him. He's an interesting character. He's giving it all to Hugh Jackson. He's giving it all to Colin Coward. You know, he's giving it to everyone. And I tell you what, the second... He has a bad game and throws three picks, and the and the Browns lose a few. 
the media are going to have a field day making up stories about him and Odell Beckham and him Absolutely. throwing his toys out of pram. If and I think it's a dangerous position yeah. to put yourself in. As excited as Browns fans must be, because let's face it, we would be if they made the call. Oh, of course. Moves, we, I think any fan would be. But yeah, I do have to caution that, you know. Yeah, I don't think they're just, I mean, everyone's talking about them being the favourites to win the division and they're doing this and that. And it's like, you don't build teams in one off season. I mean, you think a year ago, that team was led by Hugh Jackson, you know, going into a season with a rookie with Baker Mayfield. And did, who were they starting at quarterback last year? They were um, Tyrod. Was he? Yeah, he, that's what I mean. So yeah. you, you look at that team in a year on. People are ready to just say, oh, the division's theirs, they're going to be 12-4. and four. It's madness. Yeah, absolutely. There's a long way to go. Another piece of news, um, defensive back uh, Adam Pacman-Jones announced his retirement this week. And uh, it's kind of... It must be difficult for a player, uh, especially a player who... Um, has been around since you know he's his rookie season was two thousand five in uh, in Tennessee, um, and he played you know he's had a checkered career obviously but his time in Cincinnati he he played in one two three four five six seven eight seasons for Cincinnati yeah he got to the Pro Bowl twice and one of those uh, one of those years twenty fourteen was was on the All Pro team as obviously a kick returner but yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, he's, he's had an interesting career, let's put it that way. Uh, but I think most Bengals fans remember him fondly, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you said, a checker career. I mean, I always thought he was a a good cornerback. I thought he was an elite return man. Yeah. I think if he sometimes teams didn't give him a lot of space, but I think when he used to have that ball in his hands, he what I think. Throughout the last five to ten years, he would have been one of the most dangerous guys in the league. Whenever he got, you know, got that ball in his hands, I was out of my seat. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes he wouldn't do a lot, but sometimes, you know, he just had that ability to make a few players miss and just take an interesting route. And he, you've just felt whenever he got it, he could go all the way. So, I mean, he's done well, really, because I mean, he was almost done when the Bengals took him on. I mean, I remember when Mike Brown took a flyer on him. People were saying that he wasn't, you know, going to be in the league any longer. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he really had a resurgence in Cincinnati. And I think he really sort of was thankful for Mike Brown giving him that chance to get his and career back like on track. And there was like a story, wasn't it, that Mike Brown kind of visited him in, in hospital when his, his uh, I think, baby daughter was uh, born prematurely. I think that was the case. Don't quote me on that. But there was something going on with it with his baby. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Mike Brown went to visit him. And, yeah. And it just shows you that's the side of things we don't see from Mike Brown. And uh, he obviously gets a kick in a, a lot of the time. But I, I think I think if if anything, Mike Brown is too loyal to his players. Yeah. That's a separate argument. But you know, it just shows you there is a real bond there between club and uh, player. Yeah. That, that can happen. But I think if you look at someone like Pac Man, I mean, he has he's he's had some big issues off the field. I mean, he, we won't go into all of them, but there's been some pretty nasty stuff that he's been involved with. That you know, a lot of those things where you know, with an unbelievable lawyer and team of attorneys, you, you'd imagine that he probably gets quite well represented in cases yeah and absolutely it, you know he he's still I mean I think he right now he's on trial for mm. something else there's been a, a laundry list of things he's been involved in and I think talent wise if he kept it clean and he you know he'd just been a you know straight involved I reckon he would have been a very very good player in this league if he just had it together upstairs and he'd been 
really sort of like not involved with any of that and he mm. just stuck with the Titans or he moved wherever he'd gone I think he could have been a really good player really good Well, he, he, and he, he was good yeah that's what I mean I he, had you, a good, he was take, a good player you, you take those suspensions out and just all the you know the extra curricula that comes with it mm. I think he could have been a really like multiple multiple pro, uh, pro bowler well, exactly. I think uh, athletically, he had it all. He did, and he was one of those. Really, he was obviously that translates to his kick returning ability. He, he had this real quick twitch about him, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. and that obviously that's good as a as a as a defensive back, but also good for kickers. And I'll always remember him from whenever he played against uh, Antonio Brown. He pretty much shut him down. Really, yeah, yeah. Um, two kick returners going against each other. That yeah, was always a really yeah, fun battle. Yeah. Um, but then, so you, but then again, you not only remember the the way he rescued his career thanks to Mar- and also you know you've got to give thanks to Marvin and Mike Zimmer, yeah, as well, true, That's a good point. for giving him a second chance and kicking him into shape. Um, but you know, for me, and unfortunately, as a Bengals fan, and I'm sure lots of Bengals fans will think this as well, his defining moment for me was was at the end of that. Pittsburgh game in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can make a solid argument that he lost us that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you can say Vontaze did and you can say Jeremy Hill did, but yeah, and his penalty was the cherry, the icing on the cake, going back yeah, to the baking yeah. analogy again. But um, uh, So that's a shame, I think, because it, I think he had had a really good career. But of course, everyone here uh, at Bengals UK... Uh, wishes him uh, a successful and you know what a chilled out retirement. I don't want to yeah, see yeah. headlines a year or two in the in in the future saying no. that Adam Jones has been put down because he's you know he's he's called you know he's spat on put a down like a dog at a vet. No, <laughs> sent down. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Not put down. Goodness me. Um, so yeah, we wish Adam well and hope he can keep his nose clean and uh, and just enjoy life because I think you know from what you get from him is that. He's all or nothing, really, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, a big family man as well. He he's is often and, on Instagram and putting a lot of stuff out. Every interview that you see him, see with him, or saw with him in the Bengals locker room, he was quite funny. Yeah, he was quite. See his cold tub videos when he used to go in the ice bath. Yes, yeah, <laughs> cold tub. <laughs> but um, he was also, you know, you talk to a lot of the journalists around the Bengals, and they'll say he was the he never shirked. Yeah, yeah, win, lose or draw, he was always available for interview, and he told it like it is. So, yeah, yeah. nice one, Adam. Uh, thanks for your play, and thanks uh, for all the memories. We wish you well. Now, um, I did promise this uh, earlier. We're going to get to David Fulcher in about ten, fifteen minutes' time, um, but I did promise this. Uh, we're going to talk about Andy Dalton in a little bit more depth. Um, and as I said earlier, I uh, <laughs> I was planning to really do a deep dive into his stats or certainly the stats that are available online but uh the nap lasted for longer than i thought (laughs) (laughs) so i haven't got too many stats uh so it's not going to be this is going to be a quite subjective discussion i think um but i think it's interesting i was listening to the around the nfl podcast uh, a few weeks ago and um they did their quarterback list and they of course they always use andy dalton as the prime meridian of quarterbacks now that could be seen as quite an insult, really. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they call it the Dalton scale, don't they? Um, where they think that whoever is above Dalton is a good, is a really good, good to really good player. Whoever's below Dalton 
isn't so good. So it's kind of a slightly insulting because it, it kind of insinuates that Dalton is a middle-of-the-pack QB. Um, but actually, when you when you think about it, you can't really argue with that, can you? No, I don't think so. I think the last couple of years haven't helped Dalton. I think two or three years ago when the Bengals were the playoff run, you'd have put him probably right around that 10th spot. But I think the last couple of years with two pretty bad offensive lines and injuries have really moved him back there. And I think there's, you know, if you look at a list of quarterbacks, you probably would say, you know, these guys have produced more and played at a higher level than he has in the last two years. But I think, you know, this year with a better offensive line, you know, touch wood, I think he can get himself back there. I think if he plays to his ability and talent, he is a 10th best quarterback. Okay, that's interesting. Um I mean, last year that he he was uh, he was uh, according to Pro Football Focus for the first um, uh, first three weeks when he was really playing well, and I thought Dalton was playing as better better than he's ever done before. Yeah, yeah. The work that Alex Van Pelt did, and uh, you know, he seemed to be he seemed to be more comfortable in the pocket. Yeah, he seemed to be throwing the ball with more zip. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Van Pelt did in terms of mechanics. Yeah. But he certainly did something by the looks of it mentally. He looked really chilled and really yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool and calm. Uh, certainly more cooler than and calmer than he's ever done. And, you know, PFF had him in the top five of, yeah, yeah. of quarterbacks through the first three weeks. Now, obviously, things didn't go too well after that. But, um, yeah, I find Dalton really interesting, especially this Dalton scale that the Around the NFL Network uh, team use. Um, they make the argument that someone like Dalton, and Dalton specifically actually, is uh, is a trailer, not a truck. Do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> he doesn't carry the team. Yeah. He needs pieces around him Yeah, to to, to flourish. But then I would also make the argument, the counter-argument to that, it's a lovely phrase, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would also make the argument: how many quarterbacks in this league are trucks? You yeah. know what I mean? Not. I wouldn't say this is. I mean, I wouldn't say Jared Goff was. No. And they, you know, the Rams were on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl. I think if you take out that quality offensive line, including Whitworth and you know an elite player like Todd Gurley, you know the best running back arguably in the league. You know, I didn't think Goff looked anywhere near as good when you took. Um, someone like Gurley out of the game. So, and, you know, you look at the Rams' defence, some real, real good players on that defence. You've got Aaron Donald, you had Indamakonsu, Marcus yeah. Peterson, really good players yeah, yeah. around him. And, you know, everyone was saying, oh, Goff's playing well and, you know, he's, he's a real system player and he's making some good throws. Well, you would do. You've got some good pieces around you. I don't think you take some of those guys away, a bit like yeah. with Andy Dalton. Yeah. You know, you take Green out of the game, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, he's not the same level as someone like Todd Gurley. So yes. you look at that and you think to yourself, I don't think he is, but he's been made to look like he is with the pieces. What's interesting to me, and I agree with you, I agree, you know, I do agree with everything that you say. What's interesting to me, though, and I fall into this trap as well, why, because I think, I think Dalton is an above average QB and that's it. His ceiling was 2015 when he played very, yeah, yeah. very well. Um now he might be able to just to break through, you know. The the question is, can you win with Andy Dalton? That is the big question. Because over the years, I've always thought that he does a lot of things right, and I've said it on this podcast before that he, um, 
you know, he does some things really, really well. And then some things you're just like, what the hell was that? Yeah. You know, um, and he still did that last year, even though the what 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 the hell was, was that uh, kind of seemed to kind of go down a little bit. Yeah. There was still some perplexing dis- decision making going on. Yeah. But there was plenty more of, goodness me, that was a good throw. Because to me, he's always had problems with the deep ball. Yeah. He's, he's not awful at the deep ball, I don't think. But the amount of times where he doesn't hit players in stride, you know, yeah, AJ yeah. has to check back a little bit and so on. Yeah. Um, over the shoulder, back shoulder throws, sorry, uh, have also been a bit of a problem. But he was much better at that last year as well. Yeah. So I've always found it difficult with Dalton because he is a decent player. Yeah. But he's not amazing. Yeah. And I find it interesting that the national US the US national media have such a downer on him. Uh and I'm I'm quite interested to know why. Why do you think that always is? Because I, because the national media only see him in 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 prime time games where he's always had a shocker and that's we'll come on to that in a little bit. But yeah. I think there's a few factors with this. If we're just going to talk about him and why he's sort of really like understated and underheralded by a lot of people, there's about quite a few reasons. Number one is he wasn't a first-round pick. Yeah. Whenever a quarterback's not a first-round pick, they don't get that same level of buzz coming out of college. Two, no offence to Andy Dalton, I like him. He's not the most... Charismatic. Charismatic. He's not the sort of guy that's going to be doing... You know, he's not... And Aaron Rodgers is going to be in Game of Thrones and he's going to be dating celebrities and he's going to be out and about in a public eye or a Tom Brady or even a Philip Rivers, you know, a real, like, you know, leader that's sort of in the public eye, con- arguably controversial, you know, stuff like that. He's really understated. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a family guy. He's, he's stick- very true to his Christian values. He's very much sort of a very clean he's cut. He's dull, basically. Well, he, I mean... <laughs> in, in, in sports terms. Yeah, in sports you know terms. I mean? He's not someone that you can generate a huge amount of press about. He's not going to get a DUI. You know, he's not going to be... Um, controversially calling people out, losing his temper in press conferences. He's not a Cam Newton who's going to be wearing fancy hats and you know would like rolling up to, in cowboy boots to rock you know. up in a Ryan Fitzpatrick well, yeah. kind of porn star outfit. <laughs> that would be amazing. But the, the best Dalton's done is he changed his haircut. That's about the most exciting thing that he's done, and people were making a he's big put a bit of gel in his hair. Yeah, and, and, and suddenly he's on the front cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated. You know, but that's the thing. I think actually that the press that almost yeah. gives him a negative viewpoint of him just because he is a bit dull and he's not as exciting. Look at Baker Mayfield. They love it. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is an exciting player. He was a first-round pick. You know, He was heralded when he was at Louisville as one of the best players coming out and then he regressed a bit. But he's still more exciting than Dalton. You know, Big Ben, he's a big unit. He's, all, he's controversial. He's calling people out. He's getting a lot of flack. They love it. What's Andy Dalton doing? He's just ticking on by. And, I, and I, doing great work with his foundation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is I, not necessarily front page or back page stuff. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. I really do think it's as as super... The analysis of Andy Dalton is often as superficial as that. Yeah. A, we see him in primetime games and he's always in primetime games. Yeah, That's true. a problem. Yeah, true, true. And also, he's just boring. Yeah, I'm a journalist. I don't want to write about Andy Dalton. Oh, Andy Dalton no. does a nice thing again. Says a nice thing about someone. Yeah, else. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not fun for a journalist. You want yeah, Cam yeah. Newton dressing up in a saying he's gone celibate for a month. <clears throat> yeah, you want Baker Mayfield and Colin, you know, having a yeah. go at Colin Cowherd. Exactly. You want headline-worthy stuff, and I do think 
And that shows the level of... I'm a journalist in, in my day job. Complete and scum. Complete scum. <laughs> you know, drain the swamp, man, and all that. Um, um, it's not necessarily false news, but it's, it's, it's not headline-grabbing. You yeah, want yeah, headlines, yeah. and... Um, there's nothing there with Andy Dalton. And with Dalton, he's like, I think you, a very, very good point about the uh, the sort of primetime stuff. You know, in the US, those primetime games, people are watching. And if you don't watch a lot of Bengals games, which if you're not a Bengals fan, why would you? You would certainly not have the highest opinion of Dalton watching no. him in those primetime playoff games, Monday night games, Thursday night games. You just wouldn't think of him that highly. All right, let's go to some correspondence. Uh, we've got lots more correspondence about a totally random subject after... David Fulcher, but Jamie at Trek White Beaster says, Andy has the potential to win us things and seem more consistent pre-injury last year. I think PFF game in grave 81, which is decent. I think we need better backups in case he is hurt and to push him a little. I'm in on Andy. Some good points there. And I think, you know, he's never really been seriously challenged, has he? No. And I'm not saying it's he's going to be It's hard to do that, though, to yeah. get a guy that you, you know, that's going to sit there. And he, I mean, you'd argue that AJ McCarron... Gave him a run for his money. I mean, he, you know, McCarron came bit, in, not, did well, and yeah, yeah, you know. Um, Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Hello, Sam. I can see a season of at least eight wins and have a playoff push. I think if that happens, it's mainly down to a productive offense, not necessarily all Dalton, but I see him being productive in Taylor's system if we can stay fit. Twenty twenty prediction. We sign him to four years, 25 mil a year. I know. Uh, Matt Moon at uh, Matt Moon. I think he'll show well this year. I like the effect Van Pelt is having on him. And I think Callahan, uh, who was on the coaching staff for Denver's Super Bowl win, um, will be a positive as well. Um now then, uh, Captain Obvious at Bengals Captain. Hello, Jeremy, and a happy birthday for the other day. There's a reason Dalton was tied with Mahomes for big-time throws before all the injuries hit, despite having less overall around him. He can win a Lombardi. We're going to find out this year how much coaching held us back, Yeah, which is an interesting point. Um, Logie B513 at Logie513 says, uh, should everything go according to plan and Zach Taylor becomes one of the young, fresh, offensive minds in the NFL, Andy Dalton will be the preeminent dominant quarterback in the AFC North for the foreseeable future. Now, Logie's uh, a keen supporter of our podcast and other podcasts, and he is the perhaps the most vociferous, Andy, vociferous. Andy Dalton lover you've ever seen in your life. Oh, there was a really good tweet by someone that is gone. Is he taking it down? Martin, where's your tweet, man? Basically, oh, um, no, he's gone. It's completely gone. Did you delete your tweet, Martin? Anyway, um, uh, our old friend Martin got in touch, and he kind of, I can't find the tweet, uh, embarrassingly, but he basically said, um, the constant narrative with Andy Dalton seems to be that he always needs pieces around him. Mm. Uh, to survive, and he's kind of fed up uh, of of hearing that because quarterbacks need to do, you know, they do need to be trucks rather than trailers. Yeah, and I do agree with that, and I think that's the one thing that's missing from Dalton's game. That I mean, he has done it in regular season games, but when it comes down to the real pinch, 
a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. He's yeah. won Thursday night games before. Yeah. And he's won a few Sunday night games before. But yeah, yeah, yeah. more often than not, he's had absolute shockers. Yeah. Uh, in prime time games, and uh, you do want a quarterback. You do want your quarterback um, to to kind of occasionally carry the team to really pull out a big throw. Yeah. To do what Brady does occasionally. Now I'm not, you know, Tom Brady's out there on his own as the, probably the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. Yeah. But you do want him to make a big time throw. Yeah. On a fourth down, or a, do you know what I mean? And he yeah. has again. He has done that. I think one thing with Dalton, I would say, is what really hasn't helped him. Everyone bangs on about the offensive line not being as good as it should have been for the last two years. And that is a very, very solid point that's going to really impact quarterback play. But I think the other thing that doesn't get talked about that is a big, big problem that a lot of quarterbacks in the past have, you know, have had this problem and had bad play associated with it, is the amount of change in offensive coordinators yes, he's had. that's a really fair point. I think moving from Zampezi, who was, by all accounts, a poor offensive coordinator. First, you obviously got Jay Gruden, Hugh Jackson. So it changed from... Um, so you had Hugh Jackson, then you had Jay Gruden, then you had Zampezi. And Zampezi, by all accounts, you know... It was a bit of a nightmare. ...was pretty bad, weren't happy with that. So, you know, you cut him out, bring in... Bill Lazor, who I really don't think was that much better than Zampese. He might have been slightly better, but I still don't think in any way that was the right choice. Can't look at that and say it was a good decision. And you look at that, and it's not just that the quality of the offensive coordinator hires. You know, you only have to look at Zampese and Lazor's qualifications. They're not the most, you know, highly um, regarded offensive minds around mm-hmm. the league. So you associate that with one thing, but it's two, it's just learning a new playbook and style. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But Every, then again, you know, and that was midway through the season last yeah, that, year when they that, there was uh, upheaval in 2016 exactly so yeah. I, I think for Dalton that is something that's it's not like easy you know moving you know through the you know changing the playbook but up, then every styles. quarterback has to go through that not every year though like not that every much. year and that's actually sometimes a compliment to Marvin's not yeah. necessarily with the Zampezi laser kind of situation yeah, yeah. but certainly with Jay Gruden and Hugh Jackson yeah it was like two really good hires and then yeah. two pretty bad ones I think Zampezi was almost like that guy that you know has been in been at your office so long that he almost just has to get the promotion do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and they gave it to him and it didn't work out and then I'm not quite sure where the Bill Laser one came from I really wasn't keen on that no um, so I, I think the point is that the debate about Andy Dalton is actually a lot more nuanced than the US national media yeah give it credit for because he is capable yeah and in and 2015 he had a he had a, a really career season in 2015 where his uh, quarterback rating was 106.2 yeah uh the next year in 2016 when we didn't look great he still had a 91.8 quarterback rating and he cracked the 4,000 yards a season for the first and only time in his career yeah uh last season he was 89.6 and he's made the Pro Bowl three times. You forget that, and he's won, you know, five, six division titles. Yeah. Um, so what he's actually achieved is nothing to sniff at. He's had a good career. Yeah, yeah. And um, but like you said, I do think this goes a long way with perception, because he's not. He doesn't have a huge arm. He's not slinging it down the field and fitting it into sort of super tight windows. Mm. Not making those spectacular quarterback plays. Uh, he's a nice bloke. He's not. He doesn't provide journalists with headlines. Um, 
he's forever going to be seen as an average guy, whether yeah, yeah. whether he puts up the figures or not. And that's down more to... And I know fans like that. I remember and we did this uh, NFL mock draft thing in London a few months ago, as you probably heard on the podcast. And it shocked me that the amount of anti-Andy Dalton sentiment out there. When yeah. I was going up to the podium to make the picks for the Bengals... In our, in our Thousands of adoring fans. No, not at all. <laughs> People were shouting, like, get rid of Dalton... Yeah, draft yeah. a quarterback, draft a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like this this obsession with big-armed, exciting, boom-or-bust quarterbacks. Absolutely, yeah. And the problem, which it shouldn't be a problem, the fact is that Dalton is a steady quarterback. Yeah, yeah. With the occasional, you know, like, head-scratching play. But he's steady Eddie. Yeah, yeah, he is. And fans don't like that. Yeah, yeah. He's also, you know what, bad luck is always, because you can attribute that to anyone in the league, bad luck, injuries at the wrong yeah. time. But he really has had bad injury. I mean, that, that season when he got injured against Pittsburgh, that was arguably that in the 2005 season, the best I've seen us look. Yeah. I think if he doesn't get injured, um, you know, making that tackle... He could have gone on then and taken us deep in the playoffs, and people might look at him very, very differently. So it is hard. The NFL is very much of what you've done for me recently. The Bengals yeah. themselves have been bad for two years. Whenever you're bad, people want coaches gone, they want quarterbacks gone. Yeah. And for someone like Dalton, who you know isn't the sexiest name out there, he's not doing exciting things, people do just look to bring any old quarterback in because it's more exciting. Yes. It's more, it engages the fan base. You know, if we'd gone out there and drafted Dwayne Haskins, We'd be getting a lot more media attention. There'd be a lot more fans excited. There'd be jerseys being sold. You know, Haskins would be all over social media. It'd be quite an exciting time. And I think fans and media outlets tend to sort of push you towards those um, those sort of style of things, so that you can get someone like a Patrick Mahomes. But the thing is, and we know this, for everyone like that, there's a Johnny Manziel, a Tim Debo, a Paxton Lynch. You know, these first round quarterback guys. Even like look, Josh Rosen last year, they drafted him in the first round too early to write him off, but he's getting traded away to the Dolphins. You know, within a year into his career, Sam Darnold didn't look great last year. Josh Allen was just okay. Lamar Jackson had you know played well in flashes, but I wouldn't be surprised when teams have got tape on him. He's not going to get any better. So. I just think it's such a difficult decision for the Bengals. Do you abandon a guy that potentially could be sort of a 10, 12th quarterback in the league to go and risk it all on a sort of, you know, mid first round pick quarterback? And that's what I keep saying, you know, you know do you, I mean, we haven't got a top 10 quarterback, frankly. No. And that, um, so, you know, when he's regressing, it's time for him to go. It's an easy decision. But yeah. you keep him for that long because he's a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. But neither is he a bottom 10 quarterback. No. And that makes it, you know, I think it makes him really hard to evaluate. Now, I've never been Andy Dalton's biggest fan, but yeah. I've always given him credit where credit is due. Um, I would like him to see, to carry the team more um, and, and have more mental strength. Uh, during those big, big games. Because I yeah. think then that could be the, the thing that pushes us over the top. Yeah. Um, a quarterback that... Because players need that fire and brimstone, that kind of, uh, you know, kind of, oh my God, look at that play. You know, look at that ball he's just thrown like 50 yards down the field. That fires players up, not just fans and media, but players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's leading by example. Yeah. And, and perhaps Dalton isn't quite I that... 
I think my biggest oh. knock on Dalton is his leadership. He's not a natural leader in my mind. I he's, think he is. He's I just a think, quiet leader. I don't, yeah, I just, he's not one of those guys. You don't always need this, but he's not one of those guys that I don't think you're going to be in tough situations, going to pull the team together, grab him by the scruff yeah, of the so neck come and say, on, you <laughs> come on, dig the f- deep and start f***ing, like, well, like, do like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Start pulling your f***ing fingers out. You well, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get you in the other one we're down. I know, first, tell you. But um, yeah, you know, like a Philip Rivers would do. Even like, you yeah, know, I'm not yeah. saying it's a good example, but Ben Roethlisberger, you know, guys that by their own definition are leaders and that are sort of like, you know, the guys that you look to in the clubhouse. And, you know, Dalton's only getting older. Maybe that comes with age. Maybe, you know, he's more experienced and... Mm. You know, that would improve, but it's never naturally seemed to me like a guy that would necessarily command everyone's best play in the locker room. You know, yeah. some guys get more out of people than others. Yes. You know. And go and, and have different styles yeah. as well. It's important to But so what what needs to happen uh next year for him to earn a contract? We discussed a little bit last week. Yeah. And again, we're we haven't even got to the guess yet and we're forty five minutes in, but um and we've got our quarterback list to go through real quick. Um <laughs> What needs to happen next year for, you know, we discussed last week that, um, you know, maybe if he gets eight or nine wins, he's safe perhaps, or he's on the cusp. Yeah. Eight wins perhaps, it's time to get rid, but nine wins he might. But then you're in a sort of another Marvin Lewis situation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that'll be the arguments against keeping him. If Sam wants to keep him for another four years. Yeah. But... What do you do in a situation, just quickly, right? The Bengals start off next year similar to how they did last year. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. We go six and two and we look really good and everyone's so excited about what Zach Taylor's doing. Dalton's playing a blinder, right? Then, second half of the season, we go two and six, but it's all injuries. We lose some games at key moments. But at the end of the season, Dalton's stats are great. He's over 4,000 yards. Then you have to keep him. But we're only eight and eight, and it's again, it's but a real fight. Have, and at the end of the season, we lose a big, a big game to get us into the playoffs on Monday Night Football. Well, it just depends on his if what if he has a shocker. What I'm saying is, what, what I'm trying to get to, I guess, without being too specific, is at what point do you say you can't keep making excuses, even if they're fair excuses? Yeah, because we can't keep saying, "Oh, if he had a better but team, they're if reason, he had a better if they're line." They're fair. They're reasons rather than excuses. True, right? true. I know what you mean, though, because to me that says it's Marvin Lewis all yeah. over again. Well, that's what I mean. How many times can you keep going? Like Marvin, you could have said at the end of the season, exactly. "Well, look at the injuries. Look at this," and if, you would have been right to do happened. so. Yeah, but, but he would have kept us at a certain level. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. Dalton would. It's just a case whether you want to take that risk. And of course, no one, no player or coach lasts forever. Yeah. So Dalton's time is is coming soon. Um, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, do you do it sooner rather than lo- uh, sooner rather than later? And I think with a new coach, it's the perfect time to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a risk for a coach, obviously. But yeah. Zach Taylor seems to love Andy Dalton. Well, he's, he fits that West Coast style that I think Taylor wants to implement. And I think Taylor knows a fair bit about him from, I think, went back in the high school days and stuff. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, very quickly, and we're both 20, 30 seconds each, what is your, your conclusion on Dalton for his current ability and how you see it going forward? Um, 30 seconds. I see his current ability... And it's going to be reflected in my QB rankings because we're going to have some QB rankings in a minute, kids. And um, I think he's a good quarterback. He's not a great one. Whether he can get back up to that 2015 level consistently, 
I don't know. That's the thing. Yeah. I do not know. And that's what makes Dalton such a hard player to quantify and place in this list. Going forward, it really does all depend on this year. Like you're saying, if he if it, okay, if he plays like he did in the first three games last season, but throughout the season and, and somehow reaches those twenty fifteen levels, then you know, he'll have he'll have done everything that he's been asked to do. Uh if he doesn't, I think you get rid. Bit more than thirty seconds, but I'll give Sorry. it to you. I'll give it to you, son. I'm gonna say for now, I think he's somewhere between a sort of twelfth to sixteenth ranked quarterback, depending on, you know, how next season pans out. I think he'll be better. I think he can be a tenth ranked guy. I think he could definitely be this season if he gets if all the hype we're hearing is is true, I think he could be. Um in terms of his contract situation, I think the only way I'd want to bring him back, unless he plays an absolute blinder this season, if he's still pretty average, the only way I'd be bringing him back is if it's a fair, like a fairly good value deal. I really wouldn't be interested in a long-term big money deal. If we can get him on a team-friendly, cut him when we want, fair, you know, reasonable years, money. Maybe. Yeah, reasonable money. And, you know, we, again, it all depends where you're, draft, where you're drafting. Because if, we, if we're really bad and we're in the top five and you've got a really good quarterback coming out, then that's one thing. Then you're like, okay, well, it's a good reason to move on from Andy Dalton. But yeah, yeah. when you're in that sort of 12 to 16 range where we've typically been... The best quarterbacks in the draft aren't there. And the Bengals and you are going to have to move up. Exactly. And if you yeah. want to mortgage the house and move up, which the Bengals don't like doing, they very much like to build through the draft, keep their picks in-house, then, you know, are there guys in that range that you feel confident letting your franchise quarterback go for? Which I'm inclined to say they'll probably wait for another second-round guy again. Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I tell you what, let's do our QB ratings after David Fulcher. I think we've spoken for enough. Uh, we'll be back after David, and this, of course, was a an interview that I did uh, with David Fulcher a few days ago, so enjoy. And now joining us on the line is certainly one of my favourite players uh, from Bengals history of all time. Uh, he played for the Bengals between 1986 and 1992. He played dead on 100 games, I think. Uh, he went to the Pro Bowl in 1988, 1989 and 1990, and he was an all-pro in 1989. It's number 33, David Fulcher. David, are you there? I am here, sir. How are you? I'm really well, David. Uh, listen, this is a real treat for me, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I started supporting the team back in, like, 86, so your rookie season, I guess. And uh, you quickly became one of my favourite players. And... Whenever anybody asks me who who my favourite players are, I try and describe you and your. I mean, you were six foot. Well, you probably still are six foot three, two thirty six pounds, I believe. Um, I I always struggle to describe a player that someone watches from their youth. Do you know what I mean? Um, because it's it's difficult, right? And always I always describe you to them as Troy Polamalo. Without the hair, and also before Troy Polamalu. Do you know what I mean? How would you describe you as a player? Well, you know, it's funny uh, because I get that question a lot about people say, uh, you know, the game of football and what you did in the game of football. I describe myself to people 
kind of similar to what you just said. Right. I remember the, the defense that we ran, that we started when LeBeau was here with me in Cincinnati. Yeah. His own blitz. We started that. So when people say Troy Palomalo, I said, well, you know, Troy it did what I did. Yeah. Even though I'm bigger than Troy, what Troy did in Pittsburgh, we did that in Cincinnati. So when I have to describe people, and when I have to describe it to people today, I would go, hey, you remember uh, Cam Chancellor mm-hmm. who played for Seattle. Well, that's David Fulcher, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good comparison. I think the reason why I loved watching you as a player I mean, first of all, you always seem like a really nice dude uh, whenever I saw you in, you know, kind of interviews and whatnot, which is very rarely. So, you know, I, 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 I didn't see you that often. We didn't get too much footage of interviews like we do now uh, through websites and all the rest of it. Um, but you just kind of look really smooth out there. You're a big guy, but you move, you were like a linebacker at safety. Um, would that be fair to, to say? Yes, I when I came out of college, I was, uh, you know, obviously 6'3", 225 pounds. Right. And I played, it's kind of weird, because I actually played free safety in college and not strong safety. Right, okay. And I think the NFL, the NFL and uh, scouts were projecting that this guy was too big to play safety in the NFL. He should probably be a linebacker. Right. And the only coach, I'm telling you, the only team and coach that wanted me to play safety was Dick LeBeau when I got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. So when you turned up, so talk to us about Coach LeBeau. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame coach and he's a remarkable guy, still going today. Um, What was he like as a coach, as a person to play for? Give us a little inside information. Well, first I will tell you that, you know, my career, uh, I wouldn't have that career if it wasn't for him. Right, um, right. He gave me an opportunity to play the sport that I've been playing as a kid. And like everybody else, when you play the sport that you love, you hope to someday play it professionally. And when he drafted me, he, he, he told me one thing. He said, listen, I'm not here to wager. I'm here to play you. Right. So I'm not worried about your wager. <laughs> now, if you get too big, you would play another position, but he was a guy that if I had to model um, the way I wanted to coach, even the way I wanted to talk to people, I would try to model it behind Dick LeBeau because he never, I never heard this man curse at anybody. I never heard him really get loud about anything, but because the players respected him so much, he could teach you and get on you with the same tone of voice. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because, you know, you hear some coaches who shout and scream uh, in the locker room and on the sidelines and they command respect in that way. Uh, Some, you know, just put an arm around someone's shoulder, you know, they have that way about them or they just have this kind of, you know, intelligence that that you can't help respecting. And you're saying Coach LeBeau was kind of a bit, a little bit more like that, a bit more cerebral, would you say? Yeah, he was. He was the guy, you know, and I think if if coaches, even young coaches, park coaches or young kids coaches, those dads that want to coach, if they could coach their kids with a normal tone of voice and 
um, you know, give the kids an opportunity to respond, I think the kids will respond better with somebody really talking to them uh, or really trying to teach them instead of yelling and screaming. And that's what LeBeau did uh, as a coach for me. And I will tell you, anybody that's out there that, that is listening or have been coached by him would say the same thing. Just the guy that you – that's the kind of guy you want to go to war for and go to a game with because he will give you all he got and he wants you to give the thing. Um, that's great. That's really great to hear. I mean, uh, you joined the team as they were building. When, and, of course, you know, this year we celebrated the – 30th anniversary of that Super Bowl. Um, how did you feel? Did that anniversary bring? Obviously, we all know what the result was in the game. It must have been heartbreaking to to be there. It was heartbreaking for us fans. And uh, but, do you still, you know, thinking back 30 years ago, did that anniversary bring back some nice memories? Or what was your feeling around the time of the anniversary earlier this year? Well, I will tell you, man, it, it brought back some uh, some good feeling. Um, you know, we, we, we our goals as athletes is, is to win uh, the championship. And I think uh, that was our goal that year, and we set out to get to where we wanted to. We didn't win the championship, but it was a year that uh, I think the Cincinnati uh, Bengals and the Cincinnati Natives um, are, are were really, really happy about. I mean, I... I could go anywhere, and it was like I felt like I was, you know, a, a king on on his throne mm. um, because he really, really uh, appreciated what we did. And then when we went through that 30th year of the playoffs or that Super Bowl, it was always a reminder of how really, really good we were. Um, and for only for me, for to only have one opportunity to play in the Super Bowl with the teams that we had uh, from 86 to 92, we should have been, you know, probably at least in two or three Super Bowls. Right, right. But it was exciting. Yeah. Everybody gets a chance. In the biggest game, the biggest sport, the biggest game in history, uh, comparing to the championships, you know, NBA and, and Major League Baseball, World Series, the NFL and the Super Bowl is huge. And yeah. we had a chance. We as a, as a, as a franchise – had a chance to do that in 1988. Um, let's talk about the secondary because uh, it was sort of unheralded, really. Obviously, the offense got all the headlines as offenses do, um, and it you know it was justified because they were the league's number one offense with the league's MVP at quarterback. What was the chemistry like on in the sem- secondary? We've had your safety partner Solomon Wilcox on the show before. And, of course, you also had Eric Thomas, a pro bowler back then. Uh, Lewis Billups, who's sadly no longer with us. And, you know, you had a number one draft pick in Ricky Dixon back there as well. What was the... Co- and you were known as the SWAT team. So there must have been a a real sense of togetherness in that secondary. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, we had, we had a... Uh, you know, our, our we were unique. I mean, we were a bunch of guys... Um, and if you look back at that secondary, I think the only guy who had nothing to do with California was Lewis Phillips. Right, uh, right. Myself, Solomon Wilcox, and Eric Thomas were all from California, and Lewis, I believe, was from either Florida or from Alabama. And we we had this this closeness. We had a a, a unit, and, and even our our backups. You know, Barney Bussey played behind me. We had mm-hmm. Ray Horton. We had other guys that played with us. 
one of the things that I liked about our secondary was how we all got along. The only difference between, you know, David Fulcher and Barney Bussey was the height, the size, and the football number that was being worn. Right, right. But our, our approach was to, if one guy goes down, next man in, takes care of his business, and the other guy, the starter comes back, then you step aside and let him do what he's supposed to do. But we had a closeness where we played so much alike and together that we could talk to each other and do things. And that's what Dick LeBeau gave us, you know, when it comes to coaching. He gave us the right to make plays. Right. And he said, whatever it takes to make a play, you guys go out there and do it. So our secondary, you know, we got the SWAT team based off of a, a bunch of things. When you look at the SWAT team, you talk about a SWAT team going into a building, securing a place. Mm. making sure that the person that they're going in there, they get, get them out of there and, and everybody's safe. Well, that's what we were doing. We were making sure that if a ball was thrown in the air, we was going to knock it down. We were going to knock people around. And every one of our uh, secondary players that year rose to that occasion, and that's where we got that nickname from, the SWAT team. Mm. So who was your best friend on that team? Who was the guy that who was your dude that you kind of hung around with the most outside of – Outside of football, oh my gosh, that, that was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, it was hard to it was hard to pick one guy and then turn around and pick another guy. We yeah, kind of sure. hung together. And I, right. I think our secondary, Barney Bussey, and I still do a lot of stuff with Barney and Solomon and Eric Thomas. You know, those guys are still here in Cincinnati. But we we had a close knit team, and if I had to say, uh, I don't know if there was one particular person. But I have to say that 88 Super Bowl team yeah. was probably 80% of those guys still live here in Cincinnati. Yeah, right. We right. still do a lot of stuff together. So if if the uh, the linemen went out to dinner and we knew they were going out to dinner, the DBs came to win the dinner with them. So right. we were a close-knit football team. Right, right. And that's part of the, I mean, again, we've had Coach Weich on the, on the show before and he told us about the season beforehand where – it was the players' strike, and it, it, things weren't going very well. And uh, and you know he introduced some measures to make sure guys bonded before that season. It was kind of make or break for for him personally. Um, so I guess that tightness within the team was was kind of from that. And and of course, I guess winning breeds tightness and confidence and enjoying each other's company, right? Yes, and you mentioned Sam White. Sam, I remember right after the strike year, we had a uh, first we had a team meeting um, with no coaches, right? You know, and, and our leaders, Boomer Sison, uh, Tim Crumry, Anthony Munoz, myself, we all got up and said, "Listen, this is this is coached by our coaches, owned by the Brown family, but this is our team." And what we went through a year ago with the strike and. Uh, some of the games that we lost, because we lost a lot of games that strike year by fewer than three or four points. Right, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. We, were, we, were, we were losing 17-16 or, or 21-20. We were losing some very close games. So the following year, we all sat down and said, this is our team, this is what we're going to do. But the one thing I can remember going into that next football season was when Sam Weiss pitted black player with a white player mm. at roommates in training camp. Yeah, he put he put he put a, a, an offensive guy with a defensive guy 
or a black player with a white player, and we became a solid unit because I knew all about my roommate. Rest his soul, Turk Schoenert was my roommate. Yes, and yes. Turk, I didn't know where I didn't know anything about Turk. I didn't know right. anything about him. But once we got together in those in those dorm rooms in Wilmington College during that training camp, I knew all about that guy and vice versa, and that made us more of a football team than anything else. Mm, that's interesting. Um, I, I could talk to you all day about that 88-89 team, David, but I want to bring things forward to the present day, 30 years later. Okay. Um, how is life treating you, and, and what do you what, what, what is David Fulcher up to these days? Well, life has treated me well, man. I, uh, I've been married uh, 25 years, uh, this past May 16th. Congratulations. And uh, I have two I have two kids. Uh-huh. My son, David, is he's uh, in the Air Force, um, and he's married and just gave me uh, my second granddaughter. Wow, brilliant. Um, which, which is awesome. And uh, I have a daughter, uh, Kayla. She's 24, uh-huh. uh, graphic designer here in Cincinnati, and she's doing uh, excellent work. Um, and like I said, man, I, I, after football, what I've always done, I've always found found myself helping other people, uh, right. whether it's an uh, elderly person or someone, a, a kid or someone's in trouble. So I do a lot of um, work with uh, incarcerated men and women. Mm. And I've been doing that for the last 20 years. And my wife and I are uh, not just married, husband and wife, but we're also co-workers with each other, helping those families and those inmates uh, become better people and citizens of society. And I've been doing that, uh, like I said, we've been doing that for quite a while, man, and I just I enjoy what I do. Well, what an incredible thing, uh, David. I take my hat off to you and your wife for doing that. What a, what a job you guys must do. Um, I, I have to ask about football in the modern day. How would David Fulcher uh, fare in this new... 21st century game would uh, you mentioned the comparisons with Cam Chancellor um, but you know we've had lots of rule changes regarding tackling how how do you think you would fare in today's game you know it would be difficult um, <laughs> to play a sport yeah it really it would be it would be difficult to play a sport that you were taught to you know not lead with your head but Use your uh, your vision to see what you're tackling. Yeah, and a lot of times, uh, as I was a kid growing up, they would tell me to put my forehead on the person's uh, chest plate. Yeah, and then you tackle them and bring your arms around and you bring your hips and you bring them to the ground. Mm. And they don't want you to do that anymore because of there have been so many uh, injuries with the neck or concussions. That I don't know how I could play today if I couldn't do it the way I used to do it. Right, sure. And I think it's I think players are struggling um defensively. Right. I think players are struggling because they're taking away the aggressiveness of a football player and asking him to be pa- uh passive mm. about the game and the offensive players know that now. Right. So they know that if you hit me wrong, obviously you're gonna get fined, but the rules have changed Given the offensive player, um, one who comes across the middle, a receiver comes across the middle, is not afraid or worried about it anymore because the rule has changed for the better for everybody because of the concussions. But yet it takes the aggressiveness 
out of a, uh, an aggressive player. And it gives offensive players a slightly unfair advantage too, right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, if I'm an offensive player, if I'm a running back, if I'm a receiver, I mean, all I got to do is run routes and, and catch the football. If I go across the middle now, I mean, I'm not really worrying about a guy coming in with his head to knock me out. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'm going to go out there and do what I can, and I think that's what's happening right now around the league. Right. And that, just a few more questions, David. Um, that being said, have you got any particular players that you love? I mean, do you still watch the game? Do you still watch the Bengals? Uh, and if so, do you have any... Yes, I do. Have you got any kind of favourite players that you really enjoy watching? Well, yeah, I don't know if I have any favourite players. I still watch the Bengals. Um, what I like about, you know, I actually work for the league office right now. I'm one of the uniform compliance officers. So right. I've been doing that for the last uh, 16, 17 years. So I am still around the game. Um, and I watch it. I mean, I, I, I want to see the Bengals get back to the glory days of mm. uh, getting to the playoffs and maybe to a championship with a Super Bowl for the city. But I, I, I'm I'm, a, I'm an avid watcher of the game. I watch the game. I, I see what happens. I, you know, I, I don't know if I have a favorite player. Um, I just, uh, I'm a fan of football. Yeah. And when the games are on, I watch them. Uh, I know one thing I, I, I'm kind of disappointed because uh, the Bengals are coming to, going to England. Yes. Um, this year. And because they're going as a the visiting team, I can't come. What? If they were the home team, like last year when they see the Redskins, yeah, I would have been. I would be coming down there, but I can't come because they're the visiting team. So oh. I'm kind of bummed on that. Don't tease yeah, me. Like, I, I thought you were going to say, "Yeah, I'll be there," and I'm like, "Oh my goodness me! I'm going to go and meet David Fulcher in a pub in London somewhere. How amazing is that?" Um, and I, I was hoping. I was hoping when I heard that they put that schedule out that the Bengals would have been the home team, but nope, they're going to play against the Rams and they're going to be the visiting team. So the Rams uh, uniform uh, inspector, he will be there uh, uh, as taking care of both teams, and I'll be here watching it on TV. How cruel is that for everyone, really? I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Next time they're the home team, you make sure you're over here, my friend. Um, one last question, oh, David. You've I been, will. You've been brilliant, yes, and I can't thank you enough for your time. Um what was your looking back on your career? What was your apart from reaching a Super Bowl? Was there one particular game or moment that you that you that is your favorite and that you'll always take with you? Wow, man! There, there are so many uh, good things that I had in my, in my career, and one was obviously getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the AFC Championship game uh, where we beat the Bills to get to the Super Bowl, Jim Kelly was driving down the field and they were uh we wound up beating them i think 20 to 13 mm. and jim or 21 13 and jim was driving down the field and uh he overthrew uh his receiver in the uh back in the end zone and i stepped up and intercepted it and fell to the ground to that, get I'll, to the always, Super Bowl. I'll always remember that you falling kind of you you intercepted him and then I intercepted of, it and I just fell to the ground and yep, you fell on your, fell on your ass on the ground as if to say yep game over Bingo, we're in. Game over. We're, we're on our way to the Super Bowl. That absolutely, was it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Fantastic. Um, you can follow David at Rock 33 on Twitter. Do give him a follow. Uh, but David, as I say, what a treat for me personally to talk to you. Um, and what amazing work you've been doing ever since you've you stopped playing. So uh, I can't thank you enough for your time. 
David, thanks so much and, and all the best. Hopefully we can talk to you again sometime. Anytime, man. You got my number. You know where I am, man. I'm, I'm here at your banking call, brother. That's very kind of you, David. David, cheers, and we'll speak to you soon. All right. Take care. So there we go. There's David Fulcher. I've just given Nathan a bit of cake. Mate, uh, this is absolutely glorious. I'm going to take... I only got a little bite before, so I'm, I'm, I'm picking the spoon up. Go on. Me too. I'm putting it in my mouth now. God, mate, that's lovely. That's Sorry. really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you got in it to talk us through it. It's called a cliffuti. Cl- I know oh, people. Stop it. I know people. We've already gone through artisan cordials, but this is. I saw it on Instagram. It's basically a French sponge. God, mate, it's delicious. And it's got nectarine or peach and blueberry. Basically, he- basically a health food. Basically, and it's got it's got like health. Anyway, I won't go into it, but it's got like nice things in it. And it's got a dollop of cream on. So, David Fulcher, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway. Mate, this is absolutely glorious. Oh, man, it's so good. This is really nice. I'm not saying that for a podcast. <laughs> and this is podcast gold as well. People <laughs> listen to us eating. Oh, mate. Anyway, what are we going to do? Our quarterback ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the next episode. Just keep eating. Fulcher, though. What a dude. Yeah, I'm- <laughs> Sorry, Nathan, say that again. Easy for you to say. A top bloke. <laughs> no, I mean, he's a top bloke, and he? Like, he's a good interview. Again, another fantastic guest for the podcast. I mean, we're basically going through these Super Bowl teams, aren't we? You know what I mean? And I love it because David Fulcher, and I said during that, I was a bit, you know, gushy. But he, he was my favourite player, along with James Brooks and Boomer. He was my favourite dude. Mm. And I think the comparison that he made... um with him and Cam Chancellor was spot on. Mm. But David Fulcher was bigger than Cam Chancellor. He was built and like Charles a linebacker. massive as well, yeah, yeah. And he was like a, a linebacker, but he just moved around the field with such grace. And he was so smooth, but goodness me, he could bang, you know. Um, and, what you know, the stuff that he does in the community with him and his wife now is just really great. And so, you know, I was delighted to have him. What a privilege to talk to him. But anyway... Nathan's wolfed down his his cake. I mean, that's eight and a half out of ten. That was. I'm that's, not even. I'm not, I'm harsh as well. I'm a harsh food critic. That's a really nice cake. That is. Fair play, son. So I've got to finish mine now. You. So I'll talk now. I'm going to take over the lead. Yeah, the on, lead role. While you while I down. Cake. So Paul and I have been talking. We're like, what can we do in the off season to have a chat? about things around the NFL that people are interested in and that are hot topics for debate. And leading on from our Andy Dalton discussion about, you know, is he the Meridian line of quarterbacks? Oh, no, you're quite good at this. <laughs> Stop it. Um, you know, where do we think his ceiling is? We thought we'd take a look at the current state of the NFL, look at every potential starter, not in too much detail, but rank them, quite honestly, from first to 30 seconds. So... I'm going to get my list here. You've got your list, Paul, I believe. Yeah, yeah. You, you carry on. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm, we're going to reveal our top five first. Now, I'm going to reveal my top five first. Hold on. What's the criteria, though? How have you marked this? How, so, I've marked this about, obviously, the, the projected current starter for day one. And I've based it on ability. And also, I've based it quite heavily towards people that have produced in the past as well. So I'm not just saying, you know, like, for example, someone like Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield that played less than a full season last year, I've not gone full hype. I've gone, they look good. They Where could are be they better. now? 
So yeah. I've just finished my cake. That was quality gear. Quality I'm gear. I'm all geared up now. Um, so I've I based it a little bit more on people that have produced in the past over like the last sort of couple of years rather than just how good someone was last year and f- forgetting everything else. So my top five, I'm saying the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, in terms of ability and what he's done is Aaron Rodgers is number one. Okay. I've said Drew Brees at number two. I've said Thomas Brady, number Thomas. three. Ooh. I said Patrick Mahomes four. I mean, even though I, you know he was just a cut above last year, very exciting player. Going to give him top five, and a fifth one is where it starts to get more difficult. I am going for a guy that I really like is Russell Wilson. <clears throat> Paul, what's your top five? I'm going to go Mahomes one. Wow, I've not not been as excited watching a QB for a long, long time. Even Rogers, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just think the guys. You know, Hollywood is just, you know, just breathtaking to yeah, watch. Yeah, so no. much fun. Be interesting to see how he goes going forward. Um, He's a, the, the quarterback equivalent to this cake we've just had. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Quite light, but fruity, <laughs> I would say. Um, Rogers, two. Yep. Breeze, three. I love watching Drew Breeze. I yep. think, you know, we were talking about the leadership qualities of Dalton. Uh, the leadership qualities of Breeze and it's yeah, outstanding. You know, someone that you'd really want to play for. Yeah. Whereas Rogers, you know, he just have to give, he just has to give you a look and yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that yeah, yeah. you need to step your game up. Uh, I'm going Philip Rivers for actually. That's a yeah, that's bold. That is Philip Rivers, and not just because he's excellent at siring children. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I just think he's had a really consistent several years. And yeah. if we're saying about where people are right now, yeah. uh, I think he... Because I've got Andrew Luck next. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got Rus- Russell Wilson after him at six. This don't, is, don't you start revealing your the sixth yet? Well, let's go through. I'll do five, you do five. Okay, fine. Right, you go to ten then, all right. Uh, and then I've got Brady next at seven. Brady at seven? Yeah, I know. It's, I find Tom Brady... I mean, you... If you're doing it, why would I have a player at number seven who I think is the greatest quarterback of all time? It doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, yeah. But you cannot count Brady out during during uh, playoff time. He no. knows how to win. He's got that coolness, that calmness. Yeah, yeah. Although during the first half against the Rams in the Super Bowl, he was quite flummoxed by what the yeah. Rams were doing defensively. But I just think over a season, I think these guys flash. Yeah, stronger. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm going our old chum Ben Roethlisberger at eight. Okay, because I still think he's just about got it. Yeah, I think I'm going Cam Newton nine. Yeah, and I'm going because I think you talk about a truck in a trailer scenario. Cam Newton is a truck in every sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, quite literally. Yeah, that game against the Bengals. I think it was four years ago. When the tied game at Paul Brown Stadium, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback carry his team as much as he carried that team. Yeah, he really hasn't had that many fantastic weapons around him as well in the past, and yeah. he's still that year they made they had quite a big run. If it was the year before or something, yeah, yeah, they really didn't have a lot, you know, and he made them look good. Uh, I'm going Matt Ryan ten. I think um, I think he's just he, again he's he's in that Andy Dalton character mode. Yeah. He's not particularly exciting, but he's a good quarterback. He does the Gillette adverts quite well though, doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> so uh, my my five by six to ten, I'm going Cam Newton at six. I, I really do rate Cam. 
Um, luck at seven, just about. I think if he's healthy, he is at that level. Big Ben, I've gone same as you, eight. I've gone Matt Ryan at nine. And I've gone Philip Rivers to round out my That's top That's interesting. Ten. So the greatest discrepancy between us two there is Rivers. Yeah, I think I've I've always found Rivers a slightly awkward quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's not, not he's not, not very a, mobile, an elegant and he's sort of he's a bit almost has that sort of sidearm mm. slinger motion. Yeah. But I do like his grit. Yeah, exactly. I like That's his what grit he's got in, and his in, toughness. And like you said, I, I think you made a good point. He has been in it. They've, they've always been pretty good the Chargers. Yeah, and he's know. got mental toughness. You talk about grit and mental toughness. I think Rivers has got it. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go... Uh, no, my turn now, isn't it? Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, I'm getting excited. Back. So 11th, I'm going Deshaun Watson. Okay. 12th, Matthew Stafford. Now, I rate Stafford a lot higher than I think a lot of people do, but I yeah. do like him. He's quite an exciting quarterback. 13, I'm going Cousins. I do rate Kirk Cousins. I think, again, he's quite an exciting guy, and he you know gets the ball out and puts up some big numbers. Then I've gone Jared Goff. And then I've gone Carson Wentz to round out my top 15. Wentz and Goff, barely. I mean, that's when you feel, you feel like it's starting to tail off a bit. Because yeah. Carson Wentz has got the ability, but he's, he struggles to put it together at times. And he's been a bit injury prone. And Goff, I do, like I was saying earlier, I do think he's a slight product of the system at the moment. And I'm quite interested mm. to see next year, you know, if he can continue it. So no Andy Dalton in that top 15 then? No. Interesting. Right, which is um, hard because I think he does come into the conversation against people like Goff and Wentz, yeah, absolutely, and Cousins. Okay, so uh, my eleven to fifteen, I'm going eleven, and it pains me to say it because I really dislike him, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I'm going twelve, Carson Wentz, uh, even though he was injured for most of last year. Yeah, uh, I'm going thirteen, Jared Goff. I, th- I don't think you can take away. The fact that he got a team to a Super Bowl, not no, him exclusively, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he had a really good yep. uh, regular season. Yep. Uh, I'm going four. Sorry, yeah. Fourteen. I'm going to Sean Watson. Yep. Because uh, I've seen him play some amazing games. Yeah, and, yeah. He's an exciting guy, isn't he? and I think he's he could be a really really good quarterback. And then at fifteen, I'm going Andy Dalton. Okay. There he is. There's fifteen. You're giving Dalton. Yeah. Okay. And it's you to carry on. Oh, yeah. You're doubling up, aren't you? So you go 16. 16. I'm going Matthew Stafford, 16. Okay. Yeah. And there's an argument here. I like Stafford a lot. I like the Lions a lot. I just think for a number, was he number one pick overall? Yeah, he was. He certainly was. top yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, Number one. I think he's he's not lived up to that uh, number one pick. Puts up a lot of numbers, but not a lot of wins. Nope, exactly. And every time I see the Lions play, again, this is infuriating for Lions fans who see him week in, week out. And there's uh, there's me just walking in, see him in, in games in yeah, yeah. prime time or whatever. He he he. To me, he doesn't quite have that mental strength. Yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, he racks up some good numbers, and he's got a great arm on him, and he's fun to watch. But would I take him over Andy Dalton? You look at the amount of wins Andy Dalton's got. You look at the amount of playoff. Uh, Appearances. So you look at the divisional championships Andy Dalton's got, mm. and it seems ridiculous. People will laugh at me, but I don't think and Matthew Stafford, as a complete quarterback, is as good as Andy Dalton. Interesting. Interesting. And similarly, 16, Kirk Cousins. Yep. Um, again, we're getting into the area of the middle of the pack where yeah, yeah. a lot of these guys are much of a muchness. So I've gone um, Kirk Cousins, 
16. Jimmy G, 17. He looks the part. Hard to grade. But though, we don't know what he's yeah. going to be like. Again, he's a guy because he's good looking and he's, yeah, yeah. you know, Tom Brady, protege and all the rest yeah. of it. You know, the media absolutely love him. Dating but what has stars. he done? What is, does he? Yeah, he's dating a porn star for a really? bit, isn't he? Yeah. Um, well, no, so are you, though, to be fair? No, you? well, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what's that? 15, 16, 17. Jimmy G, we don't know what we've got there. Uh, 17, Dak Prescott, who I quite like, actually. Yeah. I think he's a good player. Um, and 17, Derek Carr. Okay. So I've gone 16, Dalton. So he's dead on the Meridian line on my ratings. Then I've gone Prescott. Um, then I've got Mitch Trubitsky. I think, see, I think that's absolutely See, I can't believe nonsense. you haven't said Trubitsky yet. I think Trubitsky, he's led him to the play. He had a shaky rookie year. Yeah. But his second year, he was a lot better last year. He was a lot better, but and I he's got don't a big, think... He's a big geezer and he slings it about. I, I think he's going to be very right. interesting. You well, don't? Well, he's got. He's obviously got time to improve. It's yeah, like yeah, year yeah. three this year. But I don't know. I think he's on that sort of middle of the pack line at the moment. What I've seen yeah. is nothing better than... A Deshaun Watson or a Jared Goff or even yeah. a Dalton yet. No, fair enough. You know, fair enough. We'll see. Um, after Trubitsky, I've gone Mayfield. I just think it's too early to say a lot about Mayfield. I mean, you know, people will call me crazy to say, will you take Dalton? Are you think Dalton's better than Mayfield at the moment? But it's just too early to jump in bed with Mayfield yet. He's only been starting about 10 games. You know, the Browns didn't have a winning season last year. It's To me, it's too early. If he has a good year and he plays up to his potential this year, then, of course, that rating will increase. But for now, I'm sticking him there. And then to round out my top 20, yeah. I'm saying Derek Carr. Okay. I think Derek. I think actually they should have instead of the, around the NFL. I think they should have Andy Dalton as the Dalton line. It should be the Derek Carr line, really. Yeah, well, yeah. Because I, th- I don't think he's bad, Derek Carr at all. But he's just not quite kicking on, is he? No. Really. So it's me to carry on. So twenty-one. Yes. I'm going to say Jimmy G. Yeah, we've talked about him. 22, I'm going to say Nick Foles. Foles has done it in the right places at the right times, but he you have to look at him at times, and he has been quite ineffective. And I. I honestly think he's going to be a bit of a disaster for the Jags this year. Yeah, I really do. Um, then I've gone Lamar Jackson. He did look good at times last year, but I really question, first of all, if he's got it upstairs. There's been a lot of reports about he's not the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer. And also that with some tape on him and with a pretty limited sort of running style that he could get found out. Um after Lamar Jackson, I've got Eli Manning. I still think he's got some ability there, but I think, you know, he is running long in a tooth. And then I am on to Marcus Mariota. Okay, well, um, tw- for 21 for me is Nick Foles, like you said. I think, you know, he's, you know, it's hard not to like this guy, what he's done in the Super Bowl and how he's come from a perennial backup to yeah. a Super Bowl winner and how well he played in that Eagles run. You know, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. But again, I'm I'm unsure of whether he can carry a team through the whole yep. season. Yeah, and being a starting quarterback mentally is a lot more difficult than being a backup because it's almost like you've got nothing to lose as a backup. Yeah. Um. Whereas as your court, starting quarterback, you're there to be shot at yep. by everyone. So it'd be interesting to see. But you're right. I think it potentially could go really badly. Which in would not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got number 22, Lamar Jackson. I'm a Louisville guy, and um, it's great to see people like Teddy Bridgewater and and uh, Lamar Jackson make it in the NFL. 
but like you, I'm unsure. I I do wonder after a you know sort of half a year, yeah, uh, of being an NFL starter, whether defenses will become much wiser to Lamar Jackson. And I yeah. do a bit like RG three. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You worry about him physically. Had flashes, but then just got beaten. But up, yeah, just me. got beaten up. Yeah, you know, the only geezer that's been out to do that is Cam Newton. Because he's Cam physically a, an absolute war horse, isn't he? He's a wardrobe <laughs> as well as a war horse, you know. Um, so I, I like Lamar Jackson, and it's been interesting to see the effect on the Baltimore uh, offense. Actually, they they've schemed it completely because yeah. they're normally quite safe. They're yeah. quite dull. They're quite solid. Yeah. You know, they're not a very. They've never been an exciting offense, particularly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've always relied more on the defense. But if I was a Ravens fan, you know, that brief flash of excitement from Lamar Jackson uh, must be making you feel quite excited because suddenly they're doing things that they've never done before. No, I think what John Harbaugh did to install that offense and make it, what they did against us, they literally were just like, we're going to run with him and you ain't going to be able to stop us. I remember there was one drive where they just went the length of the field and it was pretty much QB run, QB run, running back run, and just ran it down our throat. It was embarrassing. Um, Then I've got uh, 23, Mitch Trubisky. I'm nowhere near as high on him. I've got no, I'm nowhere near as high on him as I am on you. I mean, I know you went out for a cigarette break and I hope it was a cigarette you were smoking (laughs) because I can't I can't understand how you're putting Trubisky at 23. No, it's that cake, I think. uh, (laughs) It was a cake break. Uh, 24, I've got Eli Manning. uh, And then 25, Sam Darnold. And, you know, we're getting into the realm of the rookie quarterbacks where it's, or the second year quarterbacks where it's really difficult to judge. Yep. Sam Darnold was in a tricky situation last year. True. Um, he was on a bad team that was badly schemed. Yeah. Um, now, who knows what's going to the Jets this year? Yeah. Uh, with all their kind of dysfunction over the... It's been hilarious to watch. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But again, if you're a Jets fan, you must be going absolutely nuts, right? So again, it's difficult to know what you've got with Darnold. He looked good in flashes. Got Le'Veon Bell to help him out absolutely, now. Absolutely, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Eli Manning, I think we all know. Like, I think you were spot on. Unfortunately, um, I never like agreeing with you too much, but um, <laughs> you're right. He can still sling it. He's can st- he's still got some ability. And I think most people might say, you know, twenty, uh, twenty one, twenty six, twenty four is probably still a bit high actually for Eli. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, this is the twilight of his career. Yeah. Um, whether Daniel Jones is the next generation, we'll have to wait and I see. I think Manning. I'll be stunned if Manning lasts the season. I think Manning will get six games in and get pulled. I think we'll see. It could be the end for Eli. Um, so I'm just going to run through the rest now. Yeah, go on. Finish us 26 off. Twenty six to thirty two. Pardon. <laughs> <laughs> it's not go that on. kind of gap here, son. <laughs> Twenty six. Kyler Murray. I've just put him in because yeah. he's the number one draft pick. He looks exciting. Whether whether he's going to translate into a number one difficult situation in Arizona. Difficult as well. situation. They've loaded up on some nice players in free yep. agency in the draft. We play them this year, so we'll get a first hand yeah. look at him. Twenty seven, Marcus Mariota. I you know I think he's a bang average quarterback. Really, he's got well, some average, talent. Yeah. Well, yeah, bang below average quarterback, obviously, because I've rated him at number twenty seven. Case Keenum in Washington. That's quarterback situation might and probably will change. He had yeah, a great yeah. season in Minnesota. 
was pretty awful in in Denver. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. again, he was. It was that whole kind of thing that that syndrome of um, uh, you know uh, being a, a perennial backup and then going to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a starting quarterback and he couldn't quite handle it. And I do yeah. wonder whether that's he's Nick Foles light really. Yeah, Jameis Winston at. Uh, 29. See, I think Winston's a lot more talented than someone like Keenan, uh, but he's just a complete just so, liability, isn't he? I mean, I think he's 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 a Cam Newton light. Physically, he's got the tools. Yeah, he can he's make the throw. He's got a great yeah. arm. He's he's very good, you know, in terms of being mobile, but he just hasn't got it upstairs, has yeah, he? No, I, mean, I agree. Too many mistakes. Uh, I've got Josh Allen at uh, Josh Allen Josh hi Josh uh, I don't know what happened there Josh Allen at 30 for Buffalo although I think he could be a significant riser through yeah. I like what Buffalo are constructing up there I yeah. think they're going to be a very solid team this year yeah um, 31 uh, Fitz Magic you know you, we all know what he's capable of and he'll have two or three outstanding games where he's flinging it all over the place and yeah. he'll be loving it and will be loving it and then the rest of the season it'll be absolutely awful. <laughs> uh, and 32, right at the bottom. The worst quarterback in the NFL, is Paul Hirons is saying... Joe Flacco. Oh, now, brutal. Absolutely brutal. But brutal. We've, but we've seen a great arm. We've seen him close up for a decade and... Apart from that postseason, yeah. Even the regular season when they won that Super Bowl a little while back, he was pretty average. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he was outstanding in that in that in the postseason. Like someone had just flicked a switch on him, yeah, and said, "It's now or never, son. Off you go." And he was absolutely sensational. But every time I've seen Joe Flacco recently, yeah, he's been, and this is bad, grading on current ability. Yeah, you know he's had a good career. Let's face it, he's won a Super Bowl. You can't get better than that. But do you know what? He's he's going to give you chances all the time. Yeah, he can still fling a ball downfield, but he loves just flinging it downfield. He yeah. loves just tossing it up, and but like he just makes yeah. some awful decisions. So yeah, yeah. I think um, Flacco. It's 30 seconds. I've gone Jameis Winston. I think he's, yeah, I mean, like you said, we've talked about him, but I slide him slightly above where you had him. Then I'd go Flacco. I still think Flacco can play. He's, he's definitely below average, but I don't think he's as bad as some of these guys like Case Keenum, who's next on my list, mm. who's never, like, I'd rather Flacco than I would Keenum. Um, I'd rather Flacco than I would Fitzmagic, who's next on my list. Um, then I've got Kyler Murray first round but it's really difficult to know with a rookie what you're getting yeah. um, so that's you know just there then I've gone Josh Allen and I've gone Sam Darnold I think Darnold I completely agree bad situation in New York he wasn't great last year could be a better year for him but yeah, at the so. moment I would say that yeah he would be he would round out my list at 32 so a first sorry and so a number one pick is at the bottom of your QB rankings. Yeah, I just wasn't madly keen on what I saw for him last okay, year. No, watch, him, watch him absolutely tear the league up now. And make yeah, look well, yeah. Let's, let's Same for Joe Flacco. We'll, you get him on the, we'll get him on the podcast next year. <laughs> um, okay, these uh, off-season podcasts are supposed to be short and sharp, but we've been going for about an hour and 15 minutes. No, I know, it's a bit long, isn't it? And, um, well, a bit longer, actually. 
Anyway, I think that's it, really. Um, We can go all night, but we won't. Uh, It's over an hour and a half, so thanks for sticking around. Do tune in next time because we have got something really, really special for our 50th episode. We're actually going to be recording that tomorrow, weirdly, uh, because this place that we're going to be recording in is so special. Uh, We can only do it when it's available. So uh, thank you guys for sticking with us. I hope you enjoyed that. Obviously, uh, as ever, um, get in touch with us at whoday underscore UK to tell us your QB rankings, what you think of Dalton, all the rest of it. Um, And, of course, we're on Facebook as well, Bengals UK on Facebook. So it only remains for me to say after a super long episode, who day from me? And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.